This is an SJC Radio production. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to episode 20 of season 7 of Pit Stop. Uh, at present, it's just myself and Finn. Hello, Finn. Hello. Um, but but Joe will definitely be joining us. I'm sure he'll he'll join the call probably any second now. I'm going to start off with sort of um, your news. So, Finn, you played against King Edwards and Kez. Kez Hampton last weekend. Tell us the result. We lost 10-5. Close match. And yep. despite your finger injury, you played the whole game, yeah? Uh, no, I did come off from it. You, basically, you put... basically, it was yeah. a bit weird because I, I played. I started fifteen. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a fullback. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I shouldn't have started. Well, I started, I started fifteen, and there was this one massive dude who looked at least twenty. Yeah. But he yeah. probably wasn't. He had a full-on, like, proper mustache. <laughs> Mental. Yeah. Yeah. He was wearing. Um, he was wearing. He was literally wearing motorbike gloves. All right. Yeah. And he was massive, and for some reason he was on the wing, and he broke the line once, and I had to make a big challenge, and I, uh, I felt I was just like I had because he was pretty rapid. He was like he was like Ed. Remember Ed? He was like Ed. Yeah. So, so yeah, you, he was a bit like him. I had to make a pretty big tackle, um, and I had to dive for it, and I completely just uh, headbutted him in the knee, and, and I came off for a bit. And and did you stop him from scoring? No. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it, no. it, it's um, it's a bit like that with sort of year eight rugby, in particular year nine rugby. You can get some monsters at your age, and I suspect if that player wasn't playing, then you probably would have won that match. Ah, uh, yeah, he scored both the tries. Ah, yeah. there we go. Yeah. Um, no, I came we... on at nine. I came on at nine. Weirdly, nine. You started. Yeah. You started at scrum half. No, I started at fullback, and then I came on back on, and I came back on at nine. Oh gosh, you didn't play. That's odd because you normally play ten, don't you? Yeah. Now, um, Joe's played in the Hampshire Under 18s Cup final today. I don't know the result. Uh, I'm sure he'll tell us all about it when he gets it. But I've got some incredible news here, Finn. Mm-hmm. Turns out that one of the pupils that I taught only two years ago at St John's is a world champion. Do you know do you know anything about this? Um is she the one that does like the little jumping thing? Yes. We're talking Comfort Yates. Uh she's about a year older than Joe. Um a couple of weeks ago <clears throat> she became the world tumbling champion. Now that that's not for her age group. She is the women's world champion tumbler. That's unbelievable. How and did you just know this? Well, 
I, I knew this because it was on our staff WhatsApp, staff WhatsApp. Um, and also I, I checked the news and it was all, all in the news as well. I, I taught a history. Um, yeah, she, great, great girl comfort, a very good sense of humor. Um, but yeah, she, she is the world champion, female world champion tumbler. There we go. Yeah. We're gonna have to move on. Uh, we'll talk about Joe's rugby when he arrives. Um, in terms of, now I, I was kind of probably saying last week there won't be an awful lot to talk about. As it turns out, I've done a little bit of preparation. Um, probably more preparation than I did for any of my lessons, to be honest. And uh, there's so much to talk about, we might not get through all of it. Now, the first bit of news, rather sad news, a chap called Patrick Tornbay. You probably probably haven't heard of him, Finn, but he was a Formula One driver. You've never have. heard of him. Okay. No, no, I haven't. Well, he was a Formula One driver in the 80s. He won a couple of Grand Prix. He won the 82... German Grand Prix uh, for Ferrari, and also he won the '83 San Marino, San Marino Grand Prix for Ferrari. Now going back, to the, I've talked about this before. Uh, so he replaced uh, Gilles Villeneuve in '82, who was killed in qualifying for the Belgian Grand Prix. And at the German Grand Prix, which Tornbay won in qualifying, Peroni, his Ferrari teammate, um, had a bad accident and his legs were very badly broken. That was the end of Peroni's Formula One career. So and the next day, Tornbay wins his first race for Ferrari. The following year, as I said, in 83, he won the San Marino, San Marino Grand Prix. This was the anniversary uh, of um, the pre obviously the previous year, San Marino Grand Prix, where Villeneuve should have won the race talked about this before Peroni and Villeneuve had an agreement in that race that whoever was leading on the last lap would go unchallenged Villeneuve was leading start of the last lap Peroni overtook him uh Villeneuve was was furious that that Peroni broke their agreement and they never spoke again and the next race meeting um Villeneuve was killed so there we go on the anniversary of of that uh Tornbay wins for Ferrari at San Marino so um Villeneuve Villeneuve never won a championship, no. right? But he won a, he won a, he won races. Yes, that's right. Yeah, he was regarded as being a very exciting driver, um, and perhaps that's the reason why he didn't win any championships because he would sort of take risks that perhaps other drivers wouldn't. Uh, there's quite a famous incident. It might be '79 or '80. I'm not sure. Uh, at Zandvoort, where he kind of crashes, his sort of one of his rear wheels is hanging off. And he drives around the entire lap, basically on three wheels. Um, no chance, really, that that car was going to be fixed and, and for him to, to, to carry on racing. But he was quite a spectacular racer. Um, but I think to be world champion, you've got perhaps perhaps you've got to be perhaps a, I don't want to say cautious. Is that the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know. But uh, very fast racer, very exciting. Won lots of Grand Prix, but uh, no, didn't become. Mind you, he might have become world champion in 82 had he not died. And in fact, Peroni would have been world champion had he not had that very serious accident uh, in the German Grand Prix. Because uh, Peroni was leading the championship, despite the fact he was out injured from sort of mid-season onwards. He was leading the championship, I think, right up until the last round or the second to last round. Um, Who won it that year? 82. Um, should, I got this one. You should know that. Uh, Keke Rosberg. Yeah. And what was remarkable about that that 
still got it. Still got it. Yeah, you still got it, Finn. What's remarkable about? Still got it. Okay, everyone, I've still got You've it. Still got it. What's remarkable about? No, I've still got it, guys. Right. Still got right, it. Right, Finn, stop it. Uh, what's remarkable about <laughs> his about that championship? How many wins did Rosberg secure that year? One. One. That was at uh, well, it was the Cis Grand Prix, but that was held at Dijon in France. And that was kind of a win he in, in, inherited. It was one of those races, very typical of 82, where the Renaults went out in front. I don't think it was a particularly interesting race. And uh, it was Prost, I think probably Prost, was leading. Might have been Arnoux. Uh, and it blew up. And then Rosberg inherited the win. In those days, I remember watching that race, Finn, on Grandstand on BBC2 on Sunday afternoon. And... Um, Although the race was live, they didn't show you the whole race. They probably show you the start. They go off to some cricket, pop back to the Grand Prix, go off to some tennis, and maybe show the the last few laps. But I, I remember watching that. Um, in those days, you, you didn't have, you, you weren't able to watch Grand Prix from start to finish. I think, with the exception of the Grand Prix, perhaps. I don't know where. I'm amazed that Joe isn't with us. Perhaps he's struggling to get onto the call. I want to know oh, about. I want to know how he got on in his rugby final. My prediction is. That they, they probably lost because they were playing Peter Simmons, which is a six one college of sort of two thousand pupils, and, and Ride is obviously much smaller than that. Right, uh, question for you. My brother goes to Peter Simmons, don't he? What's that? Oh, yeah, of course he does. Max goes. To oh, Peter I forgot Simmons. about that. Max goes to Peter Simmons. Of course he does. Right, question. Quite an easy one, I think. This one, Finn. According to Jeremy, yeah. according to Jeremy Clarkson, who is a spoiled, entitled brat? Stappen. Yeah. Do you know what he was referring to there? There was a, an incident which uh, resulted... Yeah, the, the old Perez one, wasn't it? Yeah. I think this was in... Was it in Brazil? He was. Where Verstappen refused to help Perez, you know, secure second in the championship. I mean, I mean, I think... I don't really... shouldn't really go off what Jeremy Clarkson says on Twitter. Yeah, I quite like Jeremy Clarkson. Quite... Have you watched? Yeah, I know, but... Have you seen Clarkson's what, Farm? Clarkson's Farm. Have you seen that? Yeah, of course. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. Very good. Now, we talked, carrying on with Verstappen, and we talked about last week him winning the most Grand Prix in the year. And I asked the question, is his win percentage the highest of all time? The answer is no. And in fact, it's not even the second highest. Turns out it's the fifth best win percentage. So Verstappen won 15 out of 22 races, which is a win percentage of 68.2%. Is it Vettel? Well, no. Uh, Vettel was above him. I think Vettel was... So Verstappen was fifth in the list. I think Vettel, Vettel was fourth in the list. His win percentage was 68.4%. So just... Schumacher. Point, um, oh, that's a, okay, I have to go back to this. I think Schumacher in 2004 was, was, was higher than that. I think he was third. I've got a feeling... That Fangio was top, but the, the ones oh, were, of course it was, yeah. But the ones who are at the top, I think Fangio was like six out of eight races. They're only about at the, there weren't very many races, so. Um, Have you seen the nineteen fifteen calendar? Nineteen fifty calendar, it's great. There's only about. I love looking the old track layouts because there's that old French Grand Prix that isn't there. Anymore. Uh is, is that Reims? Ruins. Is that Reims? Yeah. Yeah. Reims Gur. But okay. That one, whatever it is. Okay, it's, it's definitely. Reams. Um, it is. It is. Yeah, it is. It is. Tracks in those days were were very long. There was an Italian track called Pescara, which I think I don't know if that was that 
probably was on the calendar in 1950. I think that was the, the longest ever Grand Prix circuit, longer than the old than the old Nurburgring. Yeah, the tracks in those days were very long, but there weren't there weren't many races, about six or eight races. But um, yeah, surprisingly, Vettel only ranks fifth in terms of uh, win percentages. Um, Who's first? Oh, I thought Fangio is first. Yeah. Here's a question, Finn. Um, yeah. You might know this. You mentioned Michael Schumacher. We're going to talk about Mick Schumacher. Why did Mick Schumacher lose his seat at Haas? Uh, crashed too many times. Yeah, you are right. And any idea how much damage he caused? In terms, two point three million bucks. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was two million dollars worth of accident damage, and apparently that was the reason why they replaced him with Hulkenberg. Now, Hulkenberg. Another question for you, Finn. I like him. Yeah, I, yeah. I like Hulkenberg. Um, He's going to get his podium with us. I remember watching <laughs> Hulkenberg in oh A one GP. That was a a sort of a single seater series similar to GP2 back in the early 2000s. In the early 2000s, we had far too many uh, single seater series. Um, we had A1 GP. We had another single seater series where the teams were football clubs. Teams were sponsored by football clubs. Um, I forget what that one was called now. Um that didn't last many years, but we had far too many single-seater series um, in those days. Right, moving on. So, oh yes, right. Okay, An another question for you, Finn. What? Yeah. According to Hans Stuck. Now, Hans Stuck was a Formula One driver from the nineteen seventies. I kind of know him really as a Group C sports car driver of the nineteen eighties. Now, for me, Hans Stuck is a is a sports car legend. I've actually, I've actually met Hans Stuck. Um, well, I've, I've seen him on a couple of occasions. Once when I was, I don't know if you're aware, you know the Nurburgring on the start finish rate. There's, there's an hotel on the start yeah. finish. Well, I stayed in there uh, a couple of times. And breakfast one morning, I was up at the breakfast buffet, and uh, Hans Stuck was there helping himself to, you know, eggs and what have you. Did you? No, no, I didn't actually, Finn. I, I wanted to, but I thought, but but I didn't. But I did see him a couple of years ago when I was at Silverstone for the WEC race. I was in the paddock walking along, and walking towards me was Hans Stuck. So I thought, right, I'm, I'm going to say hello. So I said hello, shook his hand, and uh, yeah, really nice chap, Hans Stuck. Uh, now the question is this: What, according to Hans Stuck, racing legend, is a joke? Uh, Nicholas Latifi. Okay, it's not a driver. It's an aspect of oh, right. it's an aspect of Formula oh, One. Right. The drag reduction system. Yeah, DRS. He says is a joke because uh, he's saying that actually drivers are sitting ducks uh, on the straight, and uh, yeah, I've, I've got to agree with that. Now, is that why you think he's a racing legend? Then no. Uh, why is he a racing legend? Well, because he was a very fast driver. He's also very good in wet conditions. I remember Le Mans 88. I, did, I wasn't at Le Mans in 88. I first went in 89. But Le Mans in 88, I remember it was kind of a, I think the track was a bit damp. He might have been out on slicks. And he was, I think, trying to chase down one of the silk cut Jaguars. And um, this is footage of Stuck going off the track in the Porsche curves at high speed, managing to keep the car under control. Um, 
but yeah, he's, he's just a very fast driver. Um, moving on, on the subject of DRS, Ross Braun was talking about DRS this week. Do you know what he was talking about, no. Finn? Any ideas? No. Well, he's talking no. about um, he wants the racing to be closer. And he was saying, look, we, we've got obviously DRS enables, you know, um, cars to, you know, overtake other cars. But he said, what we what what we can also do with DRS is that we can slow down a faster car. So if somebody's got a big lead, we can possibly use reverse DRS and and we, we, which will result in that car having less downforce perhaps around the corners. So... That is just one of the worst ideas I've ever Well, had. it is a terrible idea, but I, I said this last week, the Liberty Media, they've got all these new fans who, who came on board as a result of the Abu Dhabi race last year, as a result of Drive to Survive. To keep these fans, they have to spice up the show. So... The th- you can't spice it up like that. It's just I know, fair. it's artificial, and it doesn't appeal to people like you and I, but it will appeal to those... It appeals to people who basically don't like Formula One. It, it's your your sort of casual view, isn't it? In the same way that the 100 would a- appeals to people who don't like cricket very much, and perhaps doesn't appeal I, to those... I love the 100, but I love cricket. Yeah, I, actually, I'm the same as you. I like the 100 as well. I noticed the other day, I was watching BT Sport, and they had something called Super 10s on which was Hold on. 10 over cricket. So that's just 60 balls. Um, but but it's funny, you had 2020, but oh, that was too long. So that became one the 100. Now you've got 60 ball cricket. So I think this is what cricket is doing in order to hold on to those new fans. And I think Formula One are going the same way. Have you seen... Have you seen? Did you see the England Pakistan score when England scored five, like four hundreds in a day or something? I know that. What that was that something that they broke the record for the first wicket partnership or something? Did they? Yeah. Um, to be honest, they're, they're both the both openers scored hundreds. Yeah, I find it quite difficult to follow cricket in the winter. My attention turns completely to to rugby um, over the winter months. But yeah, I did I did hear about that. Um, so yeah, so Rossborn saying, look, we got DRS. There are things we can do to slow down somebody who's out in front, um, and they're looking at maybe twenty twenty five or twenty six to do something about this. Um, the suggestion that I put forward numerous occasions, and other people on various sort of websites um, kind of agree is is best idea is to limit your usage of DRS. Um, now. We know that the Chinese Grand Prix isn't going to take place next year. Um, yeah. No great surprise. Um, why is that? Well, it's, it's due not so much to COVID. It's due to the COVID restrictions, um, which the Chinese government seem to enjoy inflicting on their on their people. Um, what event is likely to replace Shanghai? It's, nothing's confirmed yet. Do, do you know? going to go with no idea. Well, Porto is the one that, that people are saying would be the ideal replacement. And that's not confirmed. But people are saying, look, it's, it's held Grand Prix before. Uh, big crowds attended the last Portuguese Grand Prix. I think it produced some good racing. I think Hamilton might have won there last time. But that seems to be the likely replacement. 
for Shanghai. Um, there was some racing at the weekend. Um, <coughs> there's something called the 12 Hours of Q8. Um, now, I was interested in that mainly because it was a, a new racetrack. I always get very excited about new racetracks. And, well, this racetrack was designed by Herman Tilke. But oh, I, know, I know expectations are obviously very low. But I have to say, he's designed a really, really good racetrack. I've got a feeling here that he's probably learned from his previous mistakes. Um, What's it called? Well, it's called Q8. What's the track called? I, well, Q8, just Q8 racetrack. I, I, I'm pretty, I don't know. I think that's his name. But what was it like? It was a bit like a faster version of Magnicor. It had um, oh. basically th sort of three straights, one of which was really quite long. Uh, linked by lots of fast S-bends. There weren't any slow corners. There weren't any hairpins. Now, normally with, with the Tilka circuit, you have a very long straight followed by an incredibly tight hairpin. No hairpins at all. Just lots of fast um, S-bends. Also, there was a, a bit like Turn 8 in, in, in Istanbul, which is another in Tilka circuit. There was a, a sort of a quadruple apex right-hander towards the end of the track. Uh, yeah, really good racetrack. What I also liked, there weren't acres of tarmac runoff. Uh, the runoff was was painted with sort of pastel colours, which kind of then linked into this, which kind of then merged into the sort of sand uh, beyond that. So the, the circuit had character. You watch the race, you know you're in the desert. Um, yeah, really good racetrack. I would like to see, well, Formula, I'd like to see Formula One there. And it's a much better circuit than... Bahrain, which is another Tilka circuit, would also quite like to see the um, Asian uh, Le Mans series race there. They only race at two tracks, Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Quite like to see them race at Q8. Uh, on the subject of racetracks, Spa, I don't know if you see any photographs, Finn. You remember last year that they had knocked down the grandstands oh. on the start-finish straight where well, they've started to rebuild them. And... Uh, yeah. It look, they look really good, actually, what they've done. They, they've based the design on what was there before. Um, so you've got some sort of terracing from La Source, you've got some terracing, and they're building a nice, big, fancy grandstand like, like they got at the top of Eau Rouge. So that looks really, really good as well. Um, mm -hmm. IMSA testing. Uh, IMSA, as you know, Finn, is the American version of the WEC, think Le Mans cars. Um, they're testing as we speak they've got their sort of pre-season test on at the moment and these are these new what we call um lmdh cars these are new prototypes they look very similar to um last year's cars but they're but they're they're, they're wider and they've got a hybrid system and uh, we've got factory teams from porsche bmw cadillac and acura um are taking part in the championship. So those cars are all doing some testing at Daytona. Go on YouTube, Finn, there'll be some um, video of those cars testing. I particularly like the look of the Acura. I think it looks really, really nice. Uh -huh. Now, uh, your homework this week, Finn. I've got a feeling that Joe is cannot join us. I, he told me he was going to be here. Uh, there might be some technical issue. That's a shame. Now, Finn, um, your job this week was to think about your 
hopes for 2023. Yeah. So, okay, can you give me your first, just give me, give me your first one. What are you hoping from 2023? Williams not to be at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Not to be yeah. at the bottom three, sorry. Oh, okay. That, that's, so that, okay. Um, no, I mean, Williams not to be bottom is quite possible. Not to be in the bottom three, I think if... Yeah, if they're going big. We're going big for these. Yeah, well, three, if, right? if they don't finish in the bottom three, that will be a, a very successful season for them. Um, because they need a successful season, don't they? Because they're what, their last all-right season was probably 2008, wasn't it? Oh, gosh. That, they were right back. Well, hold on. Um, oh, God knows. Let's not get into this. Let's well, hold on. No, no. The, the last all-right season... No, I can't... Well, their last win, wasn't it in 20... 20- 12 their last win was it Maldonado in Barcelona oh, it might well I think it was that might have been I think that was 2012 uh yeah but it's been a long time I've definitely seen it I've definitely seen a picture of Bottas on the podium with oh yes yeah when they gosh what year would that be um 14 or 13 yeah probably 14 or 15 they're actually quite competitive um yeah but it's been a few years isn't it? it'd be nice to see a competitive Williams again right Let's have your your next one then, Finn. Have you not got some? I have. Should we take it in turns? Is it got to be Formula One? No, no, it? no. Anything. Anything. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, take it in turns then, because I'm going to rethink. This. Okay. Uh, right. So, uh, I'm one of my hopes for next year um, is that both Yamaha and Honda are going to have competitive bikes in MotoGP. Uh, in terms of Yamaha, okay. I mean, we, we, we're talking about more speed on the straight. Uh, and with Honda, we're just talking about a bike which, which the, the riders can actually race. And, you know, because it's been a long time since Honda produced a bike, which... Who's on the... Well, there, there, there's quite a few... You, well, you've got Marquez and me on the factory team, but you've also got Rins and... I've forgotten who the other... Oh, it's Nakagami on the... Oh, LCR God. team. He shouldn't be in the sport, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but but Honda, when they've been competitive, they've, they've only been competitive with one bike because Marquez is the only one who's been able to to to, to ride it, basically. Um, oh, Joe, I'm not sure my link is working, he's saying. So Joe is trying to join us. Right, so, sorry, we were talking about Honda and wanting Honda and Yamaha to be competitive. What I don't want is a MotoGP GP season dominated by one manufacturer, which is Ducati. Um, yeah, so that, that's my first one. Finn, second one? Um, Jake Dixon wing. Jake oh, Dixon wing. Mm. That's a really good one. That's a really good one. Um, and I'd like, do you know, I'd like to, like, do you know where I'd like him to win? Silverstone. That'd be good. Well, I'll tell you that what. That'd be unbelievably good. Well, there's a good chance he, he, he will win at Silverstone because the track he knows very well. And as we saw last, sorry, this year, uh, he's rather good at overtaking. I reckon he should have won it this year at Silverstone because. Well. Dominated practices. Dominated practices. Crashed out in qualifying and still finished on the podium. I think one thing he's got to improve on, there, there were too many race meetings where. He would top, you know, FP1, FP2, and then in qualifying, he would muck up. So he's actually got to improve his qualifying in order to get those race wins. Yeah, I mean, let, let's hope he does 
win some races next year because if he does then you know he'll challenge for the championship that's a really good one finn right my second hope for next year is that when i go to spa in may it's going to be dry uh spa six hours which would be the second or third round of the wec um i just want a dry race because last year i felt we were robbed a bit because it, I don't think we got much more than a couple of hours racing in the in the entire six hours. Um, so that's another hope for next year. Finn, your third one. Um, a, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm in between two, so I'm going to say them both. Um, a new world champion and a new race winner. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, I think chances are being... I don't really see a new race. I don't really see a new. I can see, I can see a new race winner, but I can can't see a new world champion. Can you say new race winner? Who could that be? It could be uh, Norris. Oh yes, yes, you're right. Yeah, you're right. It could be. I mean, Norris is probably the favourite, isn't he? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I can't see there being a new world champion. I think we're going to see a few, quite a few years of. Red Bull and Verstappen dominance. Um, obviously, depends on the car. If, if Red Bull are able to come up with a competitive car, which I'm sure they will, then chances are that Verstappen will dominate for the next few years. Yeah, I think it's more likely, Finn, that we'll get a new winner uh, than a, uh-huh. a new world champion. Now, my th- my is that your third one? Yeah. Right, my third one is funny enough. It's to do with 2024. But the decision has got to be made in 2023. So, and this is one of my biggest hopes for 2023, is that when they release the calendar for for the 2024 WEC season, that they include a round at Silverstone. Now, the WC is is going through a period of, of massive expansion over these next few years. We got, um, we had the first year, no, we've had two years, I think, of, of hypercars, but that's taking off um, in 2023 because we got those factory entries from Porsche and from Ferrari, of course. Um, so they, they, they've increased the calendar just by one. So I think we had six races last year. Going to have, is it six last year? Yeah, going to have seven next year. The additional round for 2023 is Portimao, which I'm a bit disappointed by. Portimao is a great circuit for, for bikes. And it is a good circuit, but it doesn't really have much of a tradition of sports car racing. There won't be a big crowd there for that. I don't know why they didn't go for Silverstone. Um, Silverstone Six Hours is, is a classic race. It's been going for for, for many, many years. Um, so my hope is that in 2023, when they, that they'll, they'll look to expand the calendar again, they've got to have a round at Silverstone. It's a great shame that, that they haven't. You said you don't know why they didn't have a round of yeah, but yeah. it's probably quite obvious. Why is that? Money. I think you're probably right, actually. Yeah, I think it probably is to do with money. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. But I'll tell you, just, just one, I mean, one of the best race beatings that I used to enjoy going to, they used to have a double header. You had the European Le Mans Series race on the Saturday. I've talked about this before. And then you'd have the World Endurance Race on the Sunday. So it's a four-hour race on Saturday, six-hour race on Sunday. You camp Saturday night. Just the, the most brilliant race weekend. I'm just gutted that that you know we haven't had that for the last couple of years. Yeah. But 
there we go. What one can but hope, I suppose. You got any more wishes? I think we had three. You have, really. What else you got? Go back to Silverstone. Yeah. For MotoGP. For MotoGP, though. Because that was great. And I, I don't really... You see, I would I would happily go to Silverstone for Formula 1, but... Um, you can't move around and... No, no you, you wouldn't be able to move. In fact, in all fairness, Finn... When I went to my first Grand Prix in 83 at Silverstone, you couldn't move around, move around then either. You very much had to get your 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 spot on the banking, on the grass banking, at sort of 9 o'clock in the morning and stay there all day. You couldn't really move away from it. Um, mm-hmm. So so, you're, you're, so another hope is that you'll go to the MotoGP at Silverstone. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a hope for me because I am going. So, So I'm definitely going to that. Okay, well, I'm coming with you then, boss man. Again. Okay, that, that's fine. Um, yeah, it is fine. I'm yeah, it is fine. Um, hopefully not come skiing with you. Oh, no, no, the hope I'm is that you will... skiing, you potato. The hope is you will come skiing. Are you aware that I'm going skiing next week? Yes, because going... you came to collect your skis from my house. Oh, I did, didn't I? Yeah, so I'm going to Zermatt next week. Hence, there'll be, there'll be no recording next week because I'll be in Zermatt. I'm not taking my laptop with me. So there might be recording in in, in a couple of weeks. Um, do you and of know course, what Joe's rugby school was. No, no I, uh, do, do you know? No. No. So I asked you. No, um, he can't join the call. He's he's having some technical hitches. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to wait till next. Oh, by me. We're Can't just to... text him now. Okay, let me text. Uh, I'm texting. How did the rugby go? Because he wants to know who won the. Under 18s, Hampshire schools rugby final. How did oh, I could just find it, the rugby go? No, I don't think yeah. the results won't be up yet. So I'm predicting a a loss for ride against Peter Simmons. Hopefully, yeah, Joe. Well, when, when he replies, I will, I will, I will mention that. Um, now, on a linked subject, linked subject. I was looking at Crash.net the other day, and they were talking about the surprises in 2023 so what will be the biggest surprises in 2023 in terms of MotoGP and they said I don't really agree with all of these they said the biggest surprise in 2023 will be Alex Marquez now Alex Marquez has left LCR Honda and he's joined hold on he's joined the Grissini Ducati team so he's taken Bassinini's place so Crash Jonet say Alex Marquez that'll be the biggest surprise to 2023 that he'll do well but to me that won't be a surprise he's gone from the worst bike the satellite Honda onto the best bike Alex Marquez is a world champion he's double I think he was He's a Moto three world champion and Moto two world champion. He will do well. That to me will not be a surprise. That to me is an expectation. Uh, Alex Marquez will do well next year. They also reckon that another surprise next year will be the performances. You like these two, Finn, of Bezecchi and Marini on yes. the BR forty six Ducatis. They said that'll be a big surprise next year. They reckon that Bezecchi, you know. You might get a win, that, that Marini might get a podium. That would be a big surprise. Well, I wouldn't say that. Again, to me, that would not be a surprise because both of them were competitive this season. So I would expect them to do well. And their other surprise, they say, 
is will be the performance of the RNF Aprilia team. Now they were the RNF team were a satellite Yamaha team last year, not competitive at all. They've they've switched from Yamaha to Aprilia. We know the Aprilia is a good bike. It's a race winner. And they're saying that Oliveira and Ralph Fernandez, you know, will, you know that, that'll be, they'll do well and that'll be a surprise. Well, again, to me, that's not a surprise. That's an expectation. Oliveira is a class act. He won two races last year. The Aprilia is a top bike. They will do well. And it'll be nice to see Ralph Fernandez, who dominated Moto2 last year. Um, it'd be nice to see him doing well in MotoGP. So I wouldn't say any of those would, would, would surprise me at all. I guess the question is, what will be the biggest surprise for me in MotoGP? Tell you what the biggest surprise for me would be, would be if Franco Morbidelli is competitive. Um, that yes. I would really like That's that. And it would be a bit of a surprise because he has not been competitive at all this year. Um, so that would be a surprise for me. Um, and, and I really hope that happens as well right um in terms of races i've been saying the racing season is over but actually there's still a few races out there um this weekend there is a race at abu dhabi it's the golf 12 hours that's a sports car race for gt3 sports cars think of your you know porsche 911s your ferrari 488s and that sort of thing. That's the last round of what they call the the GTC Championship. Um, I think it's the Global, no, it's the GT Challenge Cup or something. Um, previous rounds, the Spa 24 Hours, that's a round of the GTC. The Bathurst, 12 Hours, that was the season. There's about five rounds make up this GTC Championship, and this is the last one. So I might look, uh, that'll be on YouTube, I expect, so I'll probably watch a bit of that i really like abu dhabi now they've made those changes i like watching gt3 racing so i'll probably tune in to that um right so that probably wraps it up i've got no reply from joe yet so we'll have to wait for a couple of weeks till uh we tell me when you get it yeah i'm looking looking at my phone now um but there's no reply so we'll have to leave our listeners on tenderhooks um, to find out the result of the under 18 Hampshire schools rugby final. Never mind. Um, th- this really, I think, Finn, is the end of season seven. This is the 20th episode. As I'm not around next week, it seems the appropriate place to stop. I imagine we might get together over Christmas, uh, you know, and do a Christmas special. Tom might find a guest from somewhere. Um, so we might do that. Okay. So uh, until next time, I think it's goodbye. Bye-bye. Footnote. The Hampshire Cup final was a draw between Ride and Peter Simmons. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pit Stop with Mr. Bird. There's a few new things I want to make you aware of. We've got a new website, which you can find by going online to shows.acast.com forward slash pitstop, where you can also find links to our Twitter and uh, on the about page, more information about the hosts as well. We're also on lots more platforms in addition to where you're listening to us now. So we're now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music and lots more, as well as TuneIn like we've been on since we started so head over to those platforms to subscribe on the most convenient one for you and find all our back catalogue of episodes to listen to again as well